Hello, fans. We have a lot of movies to talk to today, so we're going to get right to it. But we have a favorite special guest today. I'm Jim Batts from WeAreMovieGeeks.com. We'll talk to Jim Batts here in just a second. He's the one that drew the picture of Lynn, Dan, and me. And we'll talk about Drawing Mad Magazine coming up next. Then Downton Abbey around 8 minutes. Ad Astra around minute 22. Between Two Ferns the movie around minute 30. The Molly Ivins documentary around minute 36. Before You Know It around minute 47. The new DVDs including... Wild Rose and Dark Phoenix around minute 51 and entertainment news around minute 57. Jim, he brought he brought a prop. I did. I'll hold it up to the microphone so everyone can see it better. It's uh, the, It uh, is the last the last newsstand edition of original content mm-hmm. from Mad Magazine. From Mad Magazine. The usual uh, gang of idiots. Yeah, that's right. It's cued into uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't know if you... Did you guys talk about that little film in one of your... Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. We, yeah, talk, yeah, we yeah. talked about it in three podcasts. I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, it has, uh, well, the, the same cover that you see on the wall of Rick Dalton's house is the cover of, of this issue. And, and inside, a friend of yours drew that. A friend of mine uh, drew the cover, did uh, the cover of TV Guide that's in there, and did the interior parody of Rick Dalton's TV show, Bounty Law, and uh, Quentin got to name the parody, calls it Lousy Law. So, so wait a minute. Did they just take the thing that your friend, which came first? Uh, it came. What came first was them contacting Tom about doing these cut, fake phony covers, mm-hmm. and then uh, I, I think it. I don't know if it was Tom or Quentin that suggested Tom Richmond. I'm talking about uh, that uh, that they should do uh, a parody of the TV show that never never existed. Right. And you know, they said that's a great idea, and I can say Quentin uh, Quentin so, named it. So is that is did Tom, so when Tom did this, mm-hmm. did is that what's running in the magazine? Yes, that's well, so. That's basically, it's a prop. Yeah, basically, basically, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, well, it, it, the 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 thing is, the third uh, third of the issue is supposed to be from 1962. Okay. So they have a spy versus spy piece that looks like it's from that era. Uh, uh, Dave Berg's lighter side of it looks like it's from mm. that time period. So and and a letters column and a subscribe and even the back cover is uh, not an a, ad. Uh, is a, ca- a Cadillac ad a parody uh, that, with that did from the giant 60s. breasts on That's it? That's right, Cadillac. We own one. Uh. So, uh, so yeah. So they went in a whole uh, whole hog, as they say, into uh, helping promote uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Not that it needs a lot of promotion, but no. Um, but it, uh, yeah. I, I did have the pleasure, though, I, for really quick, uh, that uh, I'd seen this. Uh, this issue on with Jimmy Kimmel when when Quentin was on there and mm-hmm. I did a a screenshot of it posted it on Facebook and Tom Richmond said uh, contact me says I don't know if you know I did this art for it. I don't know if it's in the movie and I said I'm going to see it the Wednesday before it opens I I'll will tell you, you. and I clocked it that his artwork is shown 35 minutes into the film and I had the pleasure of when I got home emailing him and saying dude you got some You're screen time yeah and not, and not only that so they are going to. They're going to make more issues, but I think this is the last one with full with like content. I think maybe they're going to like repackage well, stuff, I- like issue, greatest hits. Well, uh, Tom posted on uh, on Tom Richmond posted on Facebook today some artwork from issue ten, which is just going to be available to subscribers, but you could pick up at your local comic book store. And uh, the panel he he depicted was a scene from It Chapter Two. Oh. It was uh, it was a Batman uh, socking Pennywise the clown. <laughs> So, so there, there will be new content. I, I, there, I don't know the, how this is being well, phased out. Well, there will be new content uh, all through issue ten, and then 
the further issues, I don't know how many issues will will uh, will take care of the subscribers, but it will be mostly reprints. Although they will be doing a brand new, uh, like a the, year end kind well, of, like an end, annual. Like well, not the, not an annual, but it's an annual article they do, like the twenty stupidest things that happen during the year. Yeah, but and, Mad does it so far out in advance. I know, I know. That's the that's the trouble. That's one of the things that. You know that 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 maybe caused them not to be at the newsstand anymore is the fact that they you know, things happen so fast and there's you know so much via the internet. Even though Mad does have an internet presence, but it's still at you know things just come out too quickly for them to have it you know published and and be well yeah able to buy. Like they're probably they probably have a Spider-Man Far From Home cover, <laughs> but uh, the Guardian. They just did their top 100 movies of the first 20 years of the 20th century. Really? Our 21st century, really? which is, that's the century we're in right now. And The once Guardian a, of London? Yes. Okay. The, the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came in at number 100, knocking out uh, Kill Bill Volume 1. Really? And wow. so, I only looked at the first half of the list because oh. I'm because it only came out yesterday and I want to read the whole thing. Yeah. And there, there is only one comic book movie in that so that makes me feel weird also because there have been a lot of comic book movies since the year 2000 yes. and they only included the dark knight and that's in the 90s uh, i know they're snooty about well and it's also things. it's also british so yeah yeah they're probably yeah. leaning towards more brit yeah. films and anything yeah. that comes from tv forget it well we forgot to introduce ourselves carl oh but hi i know uh, carl Millen. Hey, and, you, and you can hear you can hear our voices this week rather than last week where it was a muddled mess and i i apologize for that <laughs> for it's my fault for not checking but you should budding podcasters out there always check the room yourself all right Yes, and we will have uh, we will have Chris and Liz back at other times. Uh, I'm uh, Carl Middleman. You can find me at underscore Carl the Intern on Twitter and Instagram, and that's Lynn Venhouse. You can find her everywhere. on Facebook. Yeah. Hi guys. Okay, so uh, speaking of snooty British people, we have <laughs> Downton Abbey this week, and it's from TV. So some of the reviews are like snobs okay. because it's come from TV. Now I didn't I didn't watch a single episode of Downton Abbey but my wife had watched all of them and so I brought her and you had the same experience correct right oh you... I thought you had watched the series no, no no but my friend had seen every episode oh, okay. so yes. Jim had you are you I'm in here I'm in the same boat as you Carl I had never watched an episode I've you, know, you kind of hear about it in the, right in the ether, through osmosis uh, like yeah. I on my way home I was talking to my wife and I said didn't Mary's husband die in a car accident like the very last scene of a Christmas episode? And she's like, yes, it's so, it's so. You was know, that Dan Stevens? I, I don't know. I'm guessing, yeah. Probably, because I, I didn't, I haven't watched it. But of course, since my wife and daughter and all of their friends watch the show, it's been on in the background. I was in, and I walk in, I see, I'm like, oh, uh, that's uh, Michelle Dockery. I know who she is. And then I yeah. walk out of the room. Oh, Professor McGonagall's in it, and I walk out of the room. And I, I didn't watch anything, and therefore seeing this movie is very confusing for a newbie. And also, the people that I saw the movie with last night are not your average moviegoers. It was a lot of older folk, and it was a lot of couples where the men were dragged along to this. As my wife said, this will be the most 
time the most number of men have seen this movie <laughs> because it will be mostly women watching I, it with their friends. I didn't know it was a, it was that much of a, a female based uh, uh, fan base to it. Well, I, I thought it was like yeah. older folks. Both, but it both, is older folks, sexes. but it's older women. Really? Okay. Well, it's people who really love the the series The Crown and anything royal. But and... this is masterpiece, and it started over Julian Fellows or not Julian. <laughs> Yeah, Julian, Julian Fellows. Fellows. Yeah, Julian that, Fellows, which, yes. which I which I think sounds like uh, uh, Brian Fellow Fellows. from, um, <laughs> from, from but uh, Brian, SNL. Yes, it's Brian Fellow, but everyone's it's, but it's Brian Fellows' world of animals. So it's Brian Fellow. I'm Brian Fellow. So mm. that's Tracy Morgan's character, but everyone calls him Brian Fellows, but it's not. It's Brian Fellow. This world of animals. So, oh, okay. So it kind of goes so, right into the S. Exactly. Uh, the, but the, so that every time I see possessive. Julian Fellows, I think, oh, it's Tracy Morgan's character from Saturday Night Live. Well, Julian Fellows won an Oscar for Gosford Park, which is very much that is in that vein. One of I love that movie. I think that is a perfect period piece movie, and it's and uh, uh, Bob Balaban is amazing in oh, that. Oh, yeah. And so is Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren's very good in that. And uh, so he won the screenplay award for that, and then Downton Abbey came. And one of the reasons I didn't watch it, even though I had like five good friends watch episodes, and then they would talk about it, so I learned kind of by osmosis. But I'm an HBO Sunday night gal, mm-hmm. and so yes, it's, but you know it's too. I know you can. Yeah, I but know my you can wife record. had me download it from the web because it showed in England like. Four months before, oh. and then like if you had BritBox and stuff, you could get it early, and so oh. you ha- we we had to do that. And <laughs> so she'd be like texting her friends, "Guess what I watch? I watch episode four this." <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's, the, it's, it's it, a rabid it, fan base. It's a rabid fan base, but I personally, that opening shot was so good, it had me. It had it's me. Very, it's a lot of shots overhead. Yeah. Not not crane mm-hmm. shots. The, these have to be drone yeah, shots. Pretty much. They yeah. are pretty pretty well done too. The cinematography, the score, the production design. Yeah, but it's the same. It's like it's the same music the whole time. <laughs> I know, but it was beautiful. And these people, I didn't know who how they all connected. Upstairs, downstairs. But my, but yes, yeah, yes, which I, much, yeah. and then um, I went back and read some stuff about it so I could kind of figure it out. But my friend John, as we were sitting there, when the middle sister comes in, Edith, um, she he says to me, she's the Jan Brady. So well, right, also, you uh, know, they never say Edith's name. I never hear them say. <laughs> I had to, I had had ask my wife three questions on the way home. One, what is the middle sister's name? And I found out that's Edith. And they even mentioned Sybil, the sister that died, more than they mentioned Edith's name. Yeah, because I, I kept on worrying because I was like, this, you know, she uh, she is having wardrobe problems. She's the one, right? Yes. Yeah. Blonde. She and she like, needs she's a new a dress. Very attractive woman. I was like, well, who is this? Where have I seen her before? And uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, is, does she have much to do on the show? Well, Sybil was the favorite daughter, and then she died. Well, Sybil was Lily James, right? Who? No, 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 no. Lily, no, Lily no. James is something. That's that's question number three. Uh, question number two was, how is the woman that is talking to Maggie Smith all the time? Who is that? Because they don't. Because if you have not watched the show, you don't know who any of these people are and what their relationships are. And I find out that is. Lady Mary's first husband's mother, Her, because he he was the guy that died in the car crash. Oh, okay, and okay. so that's his mother, and they have a very good back and forth, and they okay. they're they're prim and proper, and they give each other. Gar- gar- that's that's what this show's mostly known for. Maggie Smith is known and winning tons of Emmys 
for just doing little shots at this woman and then they do it back and forth and they, it's, it's it's well done nobody delivers a line like maggie smith and uh there's whole memes there's whole websites about all her clips lady grantham and all her uh you know just or granny grant i don't it um, but yeah she's fabulous again could be up for her third oscar i don't think um you never know who's going to be up for oscars so yeah. but uh, i know who's going to be up for an oscar this year for best actress but we'll have to talk about that next week. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. All right. Yes. All right. But, but oh, um, the, oh the, the character you were talking about is played by Penelope Wilton, by the way. Okay. It was very Lady, good. Lady Sybil? Yeah, uh, well, is it, she says her character name is Isabel Merton. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So. But And apparently this Barrow, the, the guy. Tom Barrow. Yeah. Apparently there's a huge story about him a huge storyline which i didn't know well because he's the irishman he he was the chauffeur and he he's an irishman and so the favorite daughter married him and then she got sick and died and they wonder what to do with him oh he's the chauffeur i really like that alan leach but i'm talking about the butler dude oh the one that's oh yeah they my wife did not ew in fact when he he's very very machiavellian mr Mr. barrow when he my, my wife when he came on screen, my wife went, "Ew, he's in charge." Because at the, according to the, the nerds, uh, at the very last episode of the very last uh, season, I'm sorry, series—that's what they call it. 2015. At the, at the last series, uh, Carson retired, and so right. he lives on property. That's the guy who came back yes. to help things. And Mr. Barrow, no one likes him. No. It, not because he's gay. It's because he's not a nice person. No, he's very snake in the grass. Well, because I asked my wife, like, like, was he gay before? And she's like, oh, yeah, he was gay. But he's just, no one likes him. Hmm. Oh, so, yeah, because I was reading about the series before I wrote my review. No, I wanted to and, go in and, blind. Yeah, me too. I was like, I, I don't want to do any research. I don't want to know. Because I, I'm of the opinion that you shouldn't have to have, uh, like, read a book before you see the movie version of it or even, right. you know, be familiar with the cartoon characters or comic book characters or see, before seeing a certain see, comic book. Marvel's no, very I, good at that. I, yes. I, read, I read it afterwards. Oh, I you went in. To, I went in straight you wanted, just like you guys. You wanted more... Uh, more context right so i went back because i could tell and then the cook's a hoot yes mrs hughes okay and then tuppence the actress named tuppence uh she played the the uh maid that was getting married right okay yes she's great so yeah so i wanted to know a little bit more about them and also tom the chauffeur that married the one sister who died and is gonna marry tom branson yeah yes branson i really liked him and i was like who is he and yeah. why? And then he was talking to Princess Mary. And he actually then, has a job. And then, <laughs> and then he got in with that other, yeah. So Amelda Staunton's daughter. Yeah. Yes. Or, yes. And or maid or whatever. Played by Tuppence Middleton. It's, yeah. it's pretty. It's pretty brilliant the way they decided they were going to make the movie and the king and queen would visit, which would be King George the Fifth and Queen Mary, and those are Elizabeth's parents. Yes, FYI. but she's not. Queen Elizabeth is not in the film because it takes place in what, 1927, 29? 1927. Okay. And the third question I had to my wife was, all right, so who, and I said, so why didn't they have like all these people like come, all these dead people come back in flashback? And she said, there are no, there are no flashbacks in Downton Abbey. And I said, okay. (laughs) And I said, so of the living people, question three, of the living people that are in, that were at the end of the series, who did not come back? And there were only two of them, and one of them is Lily James. But my wife says oh. that she's mentioned that uh, when she went, when uh, 
Grandma Grantham went somewhere. She says that they she saw them. So they're mentioned, oh, okay. but Lily James is not in the film. So I assume she was killed off. Well, no, 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 she's alive. Maybe yeah. because of her demanding film schedule. But also, but, but the play, person that plays... Uh, Lady Mary's husband now they could only get him for like a week or two and so he's only in the, yeah. he comes, comes at the end Matthew Good yeah oh, he just yeah, dashes in at the yeah, end because he was on he was Henry Talbot over, uh, yeah. wasn't he on a well, he, ship well he was no he, he was in Chicago at an auto right. show yeah yeah he was yes. in Chicago an auto show and he got there as soon as he could so in other words everything's happening around him and he got there he, for the big dance he got well yeah his shooting because he was doing official secrets at the time so, uh, so he's doing another British movie that he couldn't uh, be doing. Right. Okay. So, so I enjoyed it very much, and I loved the grandeur, and it was just nice to have a, a another world to look at. And it's very beautifully shot, and the music is great. And if you are a fan of uh, Downton Abbey, you will enjoy this movie. And I think if I was a fan of Downton Abbey, I would have enjoyed the movie a lot more and there would have been layer, it would have been an onion because it would have been layer after layer after layer. And there's a history that you could have built on, but just going in like the three of us did blind, it was still an enjoyable film except for what Jim was talking about, you did need context. Well, I, I did think that you could sense from how other people reacted to the movie, <gasps> you know, <laughs> and they would that there Yay! was there was you know we were we were just catching on. But my friend who saw it said it was like welcoming old friends back because the series has been gone for four years now and it ran for six years. So people were very attached. Yes, but to it's it. British television, so like they'd have. It wasn't like United States television, where it's every September or every January it comes back. It came back when it wanted to. Yeah. It came back when Julian Fellow said, "I've got eight scripts here. Then we will do these." It's like Ricky Gervais in the Office. Exactly. When he feels like being David Brent again. It'll be you know they'll, they'll do some more. And like but, Larry uh, David with Curb Your Enthusiasm. Exactly. It's and it's, oh, so, so bad. You know, speaking of actors and all that, it's great to see Elizabeth McGovern and a yes. major role on screen again. I, you know, yes. I was like, I, I remember that she was part of this show and yes. I was like, her, I, I remember from mm-hmm. the early 80s and Ordinary People, there was a time when she was a, quite a, quite a much rag in demand time. movie star, Ragtime. Uh, yeah, and my yeah. wife was very, uh, happy that Mark Addy was in it. Oh, Just, yes. Yeah, Mark Addy was, I was like, he was this, like, the shopkeeper, right? He was right? the shopkeeper. Right. So I don't know if he was on the show at any time or if they, they just wrote this for him. I was like, well, I know that guy. Elizabeth McGovern plays the American heiress. Right. That, that, that one of the sons marries. So but when that one son just gave that zinger to Maggie Smith in the beginning, you knew this was going to be good. When, when he said, uh, well, mother, can I, you know, like, Mm-hmm. Whatever that line was, it was just like just brilliant zinger, and everybody laughs so yes, much. Yes, but it's, it's a 1927 zinger, so it's yeah, it's, it's a know, 1927 so British aristocracy zinger, right? Well, this is before the rise of the working class, and when we they had a ruling class in England. Yeah, but and the, so but the times first the Great War had already happened, so they've already they. They've been knocked down a peg, and remember, right. and they even they even mentioned that, like, oh, I remember, Downton Abbey was used as a hospital during the Great War. Yeah, yeah. yeah they are uh, apparently, from all that I read, um, the uh, world events make a great impact on 
the true life events. The, the, yeah, the true life events make an impact on the Dotnebby because the, apparently the very first season and the first episode, uh, well, I'm not sure if it's the first episode, somewhere, but they mentioned the Titanic early. and two of the people are killed on the Titanic. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's 1912. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that's in the first season and they're two major people. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so that affects things. So then the Great War. And, and, and then you also realize that besides the children, most of these people, by the time World War II hits in the next 10 years or so, most of these people will be too old to serve. And so, and then my wife's like, oh, don't say that. And then, then I said, you realize this takes place 80 years ago, so all of them are dead now. Oh, sure. Well, I can tell that this movie's going to have a sequel, can't you? Yes, can't you? It, 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 yeah. will be, it, it will be a funeral. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it costs that much to make, really. It's like no. a, a super episode of the series. So if at least the fans of the show come out for it, I'm sure that they'll do a sequel. Right, and they had everybody back. The, the guy that did the production design, the composer, the, the, the director, the screenwriter. Well, yeah, the but... only thing new, the only person new was the cinematographer. And Ben's... Well, it's because they had to have those wide, wide, super shots that they, on the television budget, you can't do that. You have to fill up the entire screen with the, well, the, the, the Abbey, yeah. the, and uh, it's, it's, it's a broader, grander scope. Right. Well, it's this place called High Clare Castle in Hampshire. And a friend and of mine went, went oh, she went tours. and she made she made shortbread cookies there. Wow. They they do tours and in fact, uh they're having a promotion now. You can go see it, but it's beautiful. $187 oh. on Airbnb tonight. Oh, wow. And I said, "Well, they it's going to sell out and it's going to be, you know, first of all, $187 is going to go like that oh, and yeah. they probably have Hundred rooms in that place, so that's a hundred. <laughs> and it, you don't care if you're not sleeping in a bedroom; they'll just put up a cot. And you said you stayed in the servant quarters, yeah, because yeah. the people really love it. Well, oh, yeah. I gave it an A. Well, well, yeah, but you would have given it an A plus if you were a fan of the series, right? But I just thought, yeah, the elements and 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 it was very, I think, done particularly well, particularly the production design. So we have. Um, so let's move. Let's move on to another. Academy uh, begging. <laughs> Oscar, please. <laughs> Oscar, please. Uh, it, our buddy Max on Movie said, space is the new British period piece. Because <laughs> now, now if anyone wants, a, wants an Oscar nomination, they go up to space and they, they uh, conquer their demons. That's right. Ad um, Astra. Okay, so I'm the only one that saw this, and I liked it. Um, it does have issues. <laughs> but um, what like I will character. say, it has daddy issues. But I will say, well, yes, that's the whole premise, isn't it? Yes, the whole premise. Okay, so let's set this up. Uh, Brad Pitt plays the son of the legendary astronaut, like the biggest astronaut, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones in American we're, history, we're replacing they, his character from uh, from the uh, Clint Eastwood movie. No, yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> no, not Space Cowboys. No, no, uh, no. This is uh, a, uh, they don't they don't get to use NASA. They have to call it the U.S. Space Command. Oh, they should have called it Space Force. So, so this is. <laughs> Which I was, I was glad that they did not. But uh, so apparently, uh, we are now like there's trips to the moon for tourists. Well, that's actually happening now. So yeah, so so we have that happening. Uh, they can go to Mars, and and he was on a super secret mission 
well, uh, maybe not Tommy Lee Jones's, but it was to Neptune. So this is how far we're advanced. This is in the future, and I forgot the year that we're in. But Brad Pitt is his son. It's he in was, the near future. Yes, he was orphaned early on because while the, he was the expedition Tommy Lee Jones was on, uh, they said everybody's gone. But that's not really the case. Now, where's mom? Uh, or is they, mom never mom mentioned? Never's, not, mom is never mentioned. So Brad is a astronaut that is so cool and calm under pressure. They can't believe him. And they're always checking psychological profile. And they're always checking his rates and, and everything. And, and this guy is cool as a cucumber. But he narrates it. And it's in this tone that's very haunting. Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt. And I think that it, it's Brad's... It's Brad's movie, but it's also, I think he shows a depth of emotion that he rarely shows. This guy's supposed to be unemotional, but in the context of everything, you can't. Because he was married to Liv Tyler, and Liv Tyler thought he was self-destructive, and she left him. Oh. And uh, he and also... she goes out with uh, Ben Affleck, because he's about to do a space thing. <laughs> it's, That's it's right. It's Armageddon again. <laughs> That's right. I know. I thought, oh, she likes... And uh, so he's haunted by... His, I call it failure to launch in the real world. But um, bump. Oh, so you're not, you're not talking about in the bedroom. You're talking about but in his personal it, life. in his personal life thing, yes. that he is all work and no play, and he's very serious, and, and it makes he Brad has Pitt a dull major boy. daddy issues. So because his father died on Neptune, or he was led to believe his father died on Neptune. Right. So then the United States comes to him. This is very Son serious. And, and who and like, who is that? Um, well, Donald Sutherland is one of the guys. Okay. It's a fear of his father's, <laughs> and, uh, which is kind of funny, too. But uh, uh, so they were like, uh, you know. Your dad's not Roy, dead. We need you Roy, because um, uh, it's McBride. Roy, we need you to do a project that could save the world. Because apparently there's all these uh, horrible electro... I, I'm not seeing whatever happened on Net, Neptune. Yeah, it could blow they're up having, the universe. They're having all sorts of um, meltdowns and all this stuff, and they think it's coming from the errant spaceship that's on Neptune, and it's creating havoc in the solar system, and people are dying, and it's just horrible. So they come to him and say, "Son, uh, we think your father's alive, and we need you to go up there and find out what's happening." How is he alive on Neptune? Oh, we that would give up. That's a plot I'm point. Not gonna, That's a spoiler. I'm not going to say anything. But Brad leaves, and he goes to the moon, and there's Wait. pirates. Oh. No, moon, the moon is the moon is going to launch him to Mars, and then from Mars, he's going to Neptune. Mm, this so overtly this complicated. Is, yeah. yeah, this is, and Ruth Nega is on, um, at Mars. Okay, so, okay, so so uh, what happens is, on the moon, they're headed, and Donald Sutherland's going with him, and it's all super secret, and everything's really okay. And then space pirates. Space pirates. Space pirates, mm -hmm. and they start shooting at everybody. And Donald Sutherland can no longer go with Brad, and Brad's on his own. and By himself. And then he starts yeah. questioning things. Oh, and, he's a rocket man. And he, he's a rebel. And uh, things, let's just say things go from bad to worse. 
and I can't say more, but I thought that because of Brad's tabloid troubles, mm-hmm. or, or the troubles in his personal life that are documented in the tabloids, I thought that he had more emotional resonance and more on his face, uh, proje- projecting more emotional, gut-wrenching, uh, like, you know, you have a lot of regrets in your life, and it's on his face. And I thought that that played really well. I think Tommy Lee Jones is always good, so he's Tommy Lee Jones. And Ruth Nega is not in it enough. So, now, hold on a second. So that means Tommy Lee Jones. There's a lot of flashbacks. So okay. Let's just put it like let's that. Say that. I'm just going to say there's a lot of flashbacks. Okay. And uh, there's a there's a lot of that, but it's by uh, James Gray did it, and I'm not normally a fan of this guy mm-hmm. because he did the Lost City of Z. Mm-hmm. Did he also do Suicide Squad? Was that him? No, no, that was another guy. No, yeah, this guy does those kind of esoteric things. He did Little Odessa with uh, oh, T- Tim Roth, okay. and he got to be famous for that. Um, I will say it's slow. So. I will say it's very methodical. It's very. Uh, like the tech is first rate because mm-hmm. it's you know state of the art space stuff, but um, I thought it had more emotional resonance than normal, and I'm sticking with that opinion. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be controversial, and like I can see people not liking it. Like Max didn't. Our buddy Max like said, "Ad Astra is horrible." So I think it's going to be one of those you either like it or you don't. But it is a commitment because it is Brainiac. Really? You have to, you can't like, say you have to go to the restroom in around an hour and a half. It's okay. Okay. You still, because it's slow. So you're not, you're not, you're not missing you much. You admit that. It's slow. Yeah, yeah, it is slow. But I, um, oh. I enjoyed uh, the, prit, the pit journey. Okay. Well, speaking of Brad Pitt, he was on Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis, an episode. (laughs) And Brad Pitt was asked by Zach Galifianakis, because if if you're familiar with the show, Zach just – Zach is playing a character named Zach Galifianakis. And he he asks really rude and weird questions. One of the questions he asked Brad Pitt as he was married to Angelina Jolie at the time – uh, how would you get a suntan? And he's like, I don't understand. Because you're always in your wife's shadow. <gasps> and then another thing he says, I always thought of you. If you would, if you had to uh, describe your relationship with your wife, I think you guys are like a Ross and Rachel. <laughs> so, so that if you are a fan of Between Two Ferns, starring Zach Galifianakis. You will love Between Two Ferns, the movies, on Netflix right now. It is if – you, if you're not familiar with the show, they start out with a Matthew McConaughey and a Keanu Reeves. Good start. Good start. And it is – but first of all, Zach Galifianakis has always had great guests on Between Two Ferns because either – they're, they want some back and forth, or they they get it. They understand. And it's under the auspices of Funny or Die. Mm-hmm. And so in this um, – so Zach is playing a hypersensitive version of himself. The actual character from Between Two Ferns is the character, and Zach is playing that person the entire film. And Will Ferrell is playing Will Ferrell, the creator of Funny or Die, who is like – 
just how we saw Louis B. Mayer <laughs> in the Judy movie. So he is he just wants Will Ferrell just wants clicks for Funny or Die, and he says, "If you give me and if you get me all these clicks, I need you to do shows." That's why I keep sending my friends. Because you are the dumbest talk show host ever. In fact, he says he found him on a video. He pulls out a videotape and says, I found his compilation of this horrible uh, talk show host on this. And it, the videotape reads, the dumbest talk show hosts ever. And so Zach Alfanakis is in uh, like uh, public access TV in North Carolina. And he has to travel to California to deliver 10 episodes of Between Two Firms with, with guests so that he can get a legitimate talk show uh, for a lifetime. And so Will Ferrell says, oh, I can get you a TV. I can get you a talk show on Lifetime. And so they make a deal. And so he has to travel across country with his sound guy, his camera, sound girl, camera guy, and his producer. And they have to, and the ferns ride in the front, even though the producer gets him (laughs) new ferns for every every show but zach takes it really serious and he measures them out and he's like oh this one's getting a little limp even though she buys new ones every single show so what happens is they meet tons of famous people oh my gosh look christy Teagan's at the bar let's go talk to her uh and then oh john legend we can interview him john ham and they meet a whole bunch of famous people and they do between two ferns if you are not a fan of Between Two Ferns and you don't get it and you guess, wow, this guy's mean. I mean, these episodes on Funny or Die are only like between three and six minutes. If you do not find that amusing or hilarious, you will not like Between Two Ferns, the movie. I enjoyed it very much. I laughed a lot. And it's only an hour and 22 minutes because, you know, a lot of these Netflix movies are really short. Right. And and, and I found myself liking it more than I thought I would because I, I like the show and I said well how are they going to sustain it and then they build the story and they keep having episodes <laughs> and so it's it builds and it's funny and there's an arc and even though you think it's cliche and stupid it's still funny I even found myself liking the Adam Sandler Jennifer Aniston murder mystery on Netflix I didn't it, it's an Adam Sandler movie I didn't think I was and I keep hating giving myself more chances to because I've been burned so many times with Adam Sandler movies. Oh, yes. Yes. But I, this is a side note, see Murder Mystery. It's actually really good and Adam Sandler, and it makes, it reminds you of everything that you love about Adam Sandler as a person and as he, as the potential for a movie star that he has and has shown in the past, Murder Mystery brings that back. But back to between Two Ferns, the movie, I recommend it. I enjoyed it. With the caveat, if you don't get it, give it up after 10 minutes. If you've never seen the Between Two Ferns and you find him going after Matthew McConaughey distasteful or you don't like it, bail after the first 15 minutes because that you're not going to like the rest of the movie. There you go. Yes. All right. Well, Zach was a talk show host on VH1. They show some of that stuff too, and they make fun of they make fun of talk show hosts because they do have him do a talk show. Spoiler alert: he does get the ten episodes, and then they show him, and it is Jay Leno, Jimmy Fallon. He's he's not the same kind of guy he was between two ferns. In fact, I'm not going to tell you the name of the show, but 
it's it's really well done and it takes itself very seriously because sometimes you have to take these things seriously or else you won't you don't he's all in on everything and i i appreciated that and i liked it there you are all righty yes well uh, I uh, we saw, didn't we didn't yeah. see Rambo Last Blood. No, they're Dan, not showing it. Yes, close. Dan did, and he said it was 82 minutes of pew 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 blows. It, everything blew up really nicely. Yes, mm. there's not been much fanfare. There's been a few ads on TV, but few ads, yes. Yeah, but mm. not not like previous Stallone movies. Yeah. All right, which one would you like to go? Before you know it, or Molly Ivins? Uh, I saw both. Yes. Jim, what did you see? Well, I, I only saw Miley Ivins of well, the then, two, and I have a review posting this afternoon on We Are Movie Geeks of that film. And uh, I will say that uh, it is a documentary. It's called Raise Hell, The Life and Times of Molly Ivins. Uh, if uh, you're not familiar with Miss Ivins, she was a, uh, a newspaper columnist at a time when newspapers uh, had their own superstar uh, columnists and comic strips and she all was, that. And she was like a Dave Barry type of... Or maybe well, a little bit with a little bit of Art Buckwald and know, Mike, uh, Mike Royko. She was Dallas Times Herald, right? So she Old was school. very much yes. Um, and she was on Letterman. She was uh, well. The um, opening scene is her on Letterman, and Letterman just enjoying the heck out of her. Yeah, on she there. was on a lot. What they don't do in this movie, which because um, I'm familiar with her and I have one of her books, uh, they don't. If you don't know who she is, they don't really do a good job right in the beginning of telling you who she is. They go right into that, like her on Dave. And then her life, but if you don't know, well, I guess you wouldn't be watching the documentary if you weren't. Not really necessarily. Well, if you're at a film festival and you go, you're, you don't necessarily know what you're going to be seeing. Yeah, that that title is kind of provocative. So I think what, a lot what of is the are, title? Well, it's just that uh, that she raised hell there in Texas. There, she uh, her main uh, uh, claim to fame down there. Well, what brought her her most fame was taking on the Texas legislature. And just talking about what a bunch of boobs these these mostly guys were, mm-hmm. and uh, they have a wonderful clip of uh, when they tried to really uh, uh, stop the, uh, the the gays, and they were going to outlaw uh, a certain sexual act, <laughs> and they said, "Well, what if married couples want to do that? Well, then it, they're more, even more so, it should be outlawed." And it's just hilarious, and yeah, uh, yeah it just you know she. Uh, would would say well he's you know, it's different types of Texas and Texans and she refers to the Bubba's quite a bit. Does you know? the crap kickers are the, the other word that she yeah. calls them? She yeah. she breaks down Texans into five categories of people, yeah. and one's the. Uh, the, crap kickers yeah yeah, yeah. And, but yeah but she was a texas girl at heart that was like part right, of yeah. her charm that's yeah. why she that's why when she was syndicated you understood that about her and you knew that she was like a no-nonsense type of reporter right. even though she wasn't a reporter she was columnist right she was shot from the hip and uh she was six feet tall by the time she was 12 so she didn't fit into the southern bell norm yes. so but her humor and her she always had books so her one sister was told she was pretty, and Molly was told she was smart. So Molly grew up thinking she wasn't pretty, and the one that was told she was pretty grew up thinking she wasn't, she wasn't smart. smart. So there's a lot of issues there, <sighs> yeah, but they yeah. they they have a lot of because uh, she has since passed. So they have a lot of her family members and people that she worked with. But when George. <laughs> D- D- when, when w, w when w was president yes. it was like she was given a gift because <laughs> they said all of a sudden texas politics became american National politics, politics. Mm-hmm. and uh, i think she dubbed him the shrub 
had uh, had a couple of books on him, as I recall him saying. And mm. then this caused a quite a bit of controversy, also because a lot of pa- a lot of newspapers would buy up her her column and not run it. And that's so that no other paper could run it, and so no one would see it at all in right. that area. And so that, that's kind of you know discouraging to hear, you mm-hmm. know. But uh, but yeah. But yeah, now the internet is here, and so that can't happen anymore. That's true. That's true. They can get it everywhere. Mm-hmm. But papers are barely here as it is right now. But that was where you know. Well, actually, they they talk about uh, the, the 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 title of one of her books or one of her early books was Molly Ivins can't say that, can she? And that was actually a billboard mm-hmm. that one of the papers was using. Can you imagine a newspaper's advertising on, on billboards? One of their columnists. Mm-hmm. This is not that long ago, but then again, it feels like it's you know forever ago since mm-hmm. you know newspapers kind of well they used to shuffled off. They used to publicize Bill McClellan that way here in St. Oh, Louis, yeah, yeah. or Kevin Horrigan, or uh, Bernie Miklas back when he was doing newspapers rather than radio. Yeah. Right. There were quite a few columnists back in the day that were famous, and now they're not. But she would be one of the people that would be commentary on, like, MSNBC or... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know some of some of that, and like still be on the talk shows. Oh yeah, like yeah. you know, because Letterman did. She did quite a few Letterman. Yeah, well, they show her on a lot of clips on C-SPAN, usually in these call-in shows, and a couple of people that call in really attack her verbally, and she's kind of like, eh, whatever, you mm-hmm. know. It's like, you know, water on the back of a duck or something, you know. <laughs> she but, had a lot of good. She had a lot of good comebacks and a lot of great quips, well, and she was just t- she was a tough old broad. And it, well, mm-hmm. what's amazing though is uh, the the New York Times came calling for her. And snatched her up out of uh, Texas, I guess, and was, you know, giving her sort of carte blanche. I guess she had written a, a big article about the, uh, the the passing of Elvis Presley and all the hoopla that was going on down in Memphis of that. So then it gets the attention of the New York Times. And they don't get her humor at all. And uh, I hate to give away too much of the story, but it involves uh, a lot of chickens. <laughs> and she uses a term that, that sounds like a sexual phrase and... And, uh, and the editor of the Times says something like to, to Molly's like, Miss Hyverns, were you wanting uh, our readers to think of this sexual act? And, and she says something like, well, you're too smart for me. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just, and it, you know, you think the New York Times being, you know, New York City, for goodness sake. The gray sakes, lady. Yeah, you know, that they would be a little looser, but boy, they are oh, just really no. uptight. In the this, paper this of this record. Oh, yeah. They yeah. still use Mr. and Mrs. still yes. to this day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After yeah. the first reference of their name, they say yeah. Mr. Fenhouse. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, at the at the end of my review, I said, "Boy, it's 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 well, you you wish she was still around today after watching this film." And could you imagine the Twitter wars that would be going on? Mm-hmm. She'd and probably th- be great on Twitter. I know, I oh. know, and I think she would. I think she'd you know probably wear a T-shirt saying "Enemy of the State" on it. <laughs> you know, or resist or something. Yeah. So, why did they make this doc? Well, I think they probably wanted to remind people of the power power of the press. press. And since the press is, by the current administration, I want to get political on your podcast. Enemy of the state. Enemy of the state, you know, and they're going to be derided as fake news and all that. And he said, no, there's value in the news and there's... 
you know, it's it's a sort of a nostalgic tribute to newspapers too. Uh, one of the reasons that they say that she got into into uh, into newspapers was how they were portrayed in the films, and they show a, a great clip of Bogey from uh, Deadline USA talking about newspapers in a bar, of course. That's a great but, movie. Oh yeah, but it it also it, it's it's. It's kind of sad, you know, at the end of it because she did really hit the bottle too hard, and it uh, it's it sort of in, in well, flat out says that she could be a really mean, nasty drunk, really, and that you know that she'd have to go around the next few days apologizing for her behavior at different places. So did that was she write of, drunk or just uh, be drunk in person? In person, this would be at a different events and banquets and things like that. But uh, she got older. Yeah, and then you know when. But uh, was when she she's, living in New York then, or was she still in Dallas? Texas. Yeah. yeah, Texas just seemed to draw her back like a magnet. You know, she'd uh, go off to Minneapolis of all places to to cover the counterculture in the '60s, and then you know, uh, uh, Houston would come calling for her. She'd she'd come back down, and then she, like I say, went to the New York Times, and then they sent her off to the uh, Rocky Mountains, and then the uh, the Dallas came calling and said, "Write whatever you want." And they, I guess they didn't live to regret that. They, they did really well by her down there. And then, of course, they syndicated her to nearly 400 papers around the country. So, so. yeah, she said she was just a Texas girl. You just, I mean, you just couldn't take well, the Texas out of her. Right. You tell from her and, writing. And, and that's what she, and then because uh, Texas was on the national stage. But she had some great lines in her heyday. I showed my class the uh, other day real newspapers. Mm-hmm. I passed them around i had a stack of them that i just said look at this and one of the students said do you ever think if you do this one year that somebody's not going to know what this is Mm. and i go not yet not yet not yet maybe maybe in our lifetime yeah, I think yeah. it could happen. I had yeah. a USA Today, I had a Post-Dispatch. Yeah, I had people a know those. Yeah. So. yeah those if you stay at a hotel. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I said I said USA's paper. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no. But I even just, USA Today is a lot smaller than it was, say, even 10 years oh, ago. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The papers that I, that, that I gave them to look at, oh, it's a different world now. But, yeah, that Internet, uh, and people don't want to really, they can't figure out how to make money from the Internet. So, that, but, uh, yeah. Well, Molly would have found a way, I think. And then, and like I say, the last uh, the, uh, act of the film is about her, 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 seemed like a long battle with, with cancer. Just reaching back like seven or eight years, she was fighting it. And you'd see more clips of her. Her hair would be white, and then she'd have no hair mm. in several of the clips. So she had a really tough time of it there at the end. But, but you uh, liked it. Yeah, I, li- I liked it quite a bit. And I didn't like it as much as a film you probably discussed last weekend, or well, last week, the, the Linda Ronstadt doc. Mm, no. That's yeah, that's a super doc. But after a couple oh. of great musical documentaries, it's nice to have a documentary about a different subject like that, but still entertaining. Yeah, well, it is very entertaining. It's very funny, and you could laugh out loud at a couple of her things that she uh, said. But if you want to do a deeper dive in her, she did uh, do some really, you know, good work. So the next movie is one Before that... Before you know it. Oh, and I just saw this. this. I just... What is it? <laughs> it's a very low-key indie. It was uh, financed or, I guess, a project of the Sundance Institute for when they're trying to get more women filmmakers. Okay. And the woman filmmaker, her name is Hannah Pearl Utt, I think, U-T-T. Anyway, she plays the lead character, Rachel. It's a really bizarre... Uh, quirky indie set in the New York theater world and 
um, it's hard to describe it. Neon just um, put, you know, it was on the list of things to come out this week, mm-hmm. and we hadn't heard from it. And I got an email from Neon like uh, Do you two, watch it? two days ago, and so I watched it last night. So uh, it has Mandy Patinkin as this theater guy that really wants to be a starving artist, and he lives above this theater. And he, he uh, his two daughters live with him, and they work. One's an actress, and one's a stage manager slash director. And the actress one has a daughter. So they all live together above this theater. And it's one of these where it kind of reminded you of you can't take a with you where oh, there's sure. all these quirky types and and they live above the theater and there's all these rooms and it's all like really old furniture and they you could just tell that they're like, living like birdman <laughs> yeah. except it's not in one shop <laughs> right and and uh you know you could just tell they're living on you know uh, uh, they're just uh, you know hand to mouth what is the what before you know somebody dies I don't understand it, but... um, (laughs) You don't know why it's named that. No, I don't know why it's named that, but uh, the girls find out. Okay, so Mandy Patinkin dies. Mm. And... Before you know it, Mandy Patinkin's dead. Yeah, and uh, they discover that they thought their mother had died when they were young, but their mother's actually Judith Light, who was on a soap opera. Oh, she wasn't on Who's the Boss? Yeah. Well, but no. she was on a, on a soap, soap opera. opera. Yeah, before Who's the Boss. Right, yeah. she was. And I think Wasn't she was like on One Life, Life to Live. Live. Yeah, she yeah. was. She was on One Life to Live. So, uh, but, she, they... but it's not Judith Light. It's Judith Light playing a character who is a soap opera actress. Or is it really Judith Light playing Judith Light? No, it's their mother. Their mother's got a name. Uh, their mother's name was Cheryl, I think. And then she changed her name because how they find this out was they go to the lawyer about Mandy Patinkin's estate. And all they care about is still being able to live above the theater and own in the theater. And So they're, they're, already, in the, they're already in the showbiz world. And then they find out their mother is a successful actress right and and how did they not know this and so um so then they're mad at their dad well they were like what is going on so they find out that her name is she's co-owner of Mm. the theater so it all falls under her because he uh transferable on death and so they want to be able to live there so they have to find her so they go to her soap opera and they get mistaken for day of background players Mm. And it's really funny. And, Extras. Yeah, and Judith Light is way over the top oh, as this, as this, uh, yeah, as this uh, uh, soap opera diva. If you would think like Susan Lucci mm-hmm. era and stuff, and uh, so, <laughs> so it's this really wacky relationship between the mom who the girls think a band, you know, didn't want to be a mom, or maybe uh, well. I'm sure the story tells everything. Yeah, the story does tell everything. And Alec Baldwin is has a brief role as the young girl whose name is Dodge as her uh, therapist. Okay. So that's bizarre. So he doesn't get to speak that much. He's no, listening to her. No, and he's only in two scenes. And there's a lot of, it just meanders. You know, it's not necessarily a good film, but it has its moments. And Tim Daly is one of the producers, and he shows up as one of the stars of the soap opera. Soap opera. I can see that. And the soap yeah. opera is celebrating their 50th anniversary. Oh, good. So yeah. it's it's weird because, you know, it, it's just one of these really strange, quirky movies. But if you're a fan of showbiz, mm-hmm. 
you you know it's mildly is it amusing like, is it like soap dish or is... i was hoping it was going to be soap dish because <laughs> i love that movie but mm-hmm. it's it's very low-key soap dish okay yeah all right yeah so that's not a very positive <laughs> no i mean it's just it is what it is like people probably find it on streaming well was well, so it going to be is it is it playing front next yeah 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 it's it's playing well speaking of that a, a middling review like that leads us into the dvds of the week <laughs> such as dark phoenix the oh boy limping to the end of the saga of what had a very promising beginning of X-Men First Class. Yes. And I watched uh, during the Labor Day uh, time when all the talk shows are off, Yeah, uh, James Corden ran the episode where he takes the cast of Dark Phoenix through London mm-hmm. on a bus Trip. Bus tour. Yeah, double-decker bus. Yeah. Did you ever see that? No. I saw clips of it, yeah. So they were really – it just led me to think, man, they were really trying to promote this piece of duty. It's not very good. Yeah. No, it's it's well, not it's worth anybody's time. it's been on the for a long time. And, it's, and it it's, became obsolete in that time. It's a victim of the Disney-Fox merger. Yeah, yeah. And and New Mutants might not ever come to light. They might just you know, just send that right to streaming and not putting it in theaters, huh? They milked it because they just thought they had all those names, marquee names. But yeah. they've and they've done this story before. X Men Three is the exact same story, and there's a couple of scenes in there uh, that were included in other superhero films that came out. You know, uh, after it was supposed to be originally right. released. I mean, it opens with a horrific car crash involving the uh, young version of one of the characters. That they happened in Shazam, Shazam. Mm-hmm. and then it had you know the, without giving things away, it involves the ending involves a sacrifice by one of the heroes, which happens at the end of Avengers Endgame. Right. So you know, it just kind of. But if it would have come out when it was supposed to, it would have been first. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have seemed, have seemed derivative. You it's know? very messy and long and really oh, boring. And, yeah, it's and definitely the weakest of, of the and, and the Jessica Chastain storyline is sense. just... You don't need another villain if you have the Dark Phoenix. Yeah, it just, oh. you know, it kind of wasted her. Yes. A uh, very talented actress, you know. She and McAvoy have made three movies together. Yeah, well, as I say, I just saw uh, it chapter two, and mm-hmm. I took advantage of five dollar Tuesdays and took that in. And you know, she doesn't have a she's lot to do, but very she's, good in it. Yeah, she's very good. What other film did she do besides Dark? Eleanor Phoenix? Rigby, The Life and Times oh, of Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, yeah, when they that was they, right, they yeah. were the married couple that yeah, lost a child and that. they broke yeah, up no. over that. Yeah, I almost yeah. forgot that. But uh, but yeah, yeah, it's a big, Dark Phoenix is a big disappointment, considering that there have been some some really good X Men films. And so what is this Wild Rose that is also out on the DVDs? Well, speaking of, the girl that played, uh, what was the assistant's name today in Judy? Oh, the girl that was in Chernobyl? Yes. Okay. Jessie Buckley. This is her ticket to the Indie Awards circuit. Oh, yeah. She will be nominated for Best Actress for Independent Spirit, I'm pretty sure. Could make it to the big show. Could make it to the big show if you think then uh, she's at, uh, she plays this, Irish lass that has a lot of or Scottish Scottish because Scottish, yes. because they have the deep rogue which is hard to understand. Oh yeah, but, yeah, I uh, you talking yeah, yeah. About yeah. She's a troubled a single mom and uh, she's been in some hot water and she wants desperately to be a country singer. Okay, and that's what it is, and it's just a showcase for her talents. 
Yeah, considerable talents. So yes, yeah. and she that sings, song. Yes, yeah, she sings uh, her own voice, but she didn't sing in Judy at all. Which she no, could've. well, maybe yeah, but she's very talented. She was in this movie that I saw the year before. One of the links, one of the you know indie links called Beast, mm. and it's she's really I think Dan liked that one. Very yeah, much. she plays this uh, wallflower who gets swept away by the cool guy. Mm-hmm. And the cool guy might have this really sinister past. Oh. And it's based on a true crime incident okay. and in the UK. That. And it's really good. So if you ever see Beast, go watch it. Because she's fabulous in it. And she was in my running last year for some of the, you know, awards. But then, you know, the end of the year is always this all stuff. It is. But she's, she sings this song called Glasgow, which of all things was written by Mary Steenburgen. Really? Yes. yes. And I think it's going to be nominated for the song awards, you oh, know, sure. when they do yeah. that. Because it's a really good one. I don't She's, know. Frozen's not out yet. Um, she, might um, take all five, huh? She was on Colbert and sang it live. Okay. So if you look it up, I think I did send you the link maybe. You it's might. on YouTube, and it's really good, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just wonderful. Well, it's a wonderful performance. That's good. All yeah. right. So there we go. So seek that out. Yes, because she's going to be in another Oscar-nominated film that we will talk about yet. And at this at this time, Judy is my favorite movie of the year. Really? I'm going gosh. to say it. it, it oh of everything that I've seen this year, Judy is my favorite film. Oh boy! And Jim does, <laughs> Jim does not like me saying that. He enjoyed it, well, but didn't no, like I'm just it. Surprised. I don't. I don't know why. It just I, as she was as the last song was being sung. I in my head. And that it usually happens. I said to myself, this is my favorite movie of the year. And that, and usually when my favorite movie of the year happens, that pops into my head sometime when I'm watching it. I mean, we still have four months. Yes. We still have four months. But as of right now, that is my favorite film of the year. And you um, both are looking at me very crazy. Well, um, uh, my problem is I saw the I saw the. You old. saw the play. And so it's different than the play. And Jim saw the original TV movie, which Whoa. deals with this, but only in the, the last half hour. Yeah, but that yeah. that original miniseries with Judy Davis as uh, as Judy yes. and Tammy Blanchard, they both won the Emmys. As young and Judy. as young Judy, fabulous. So if you can find that in your library, if you if you if you enjoy that film or next week, wait till November, and then it'll be on Disney Plus. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's just a very sad tale of it her is. being totally destroyed by Hollywood, and it's very just heart her, her, her story is sad. It it's, is. It's never been a good story. No, and every time she sings the real Judy, you could hear that in her voice, that that heartache, that gut-wrenching mm-hmm. desperation to be loved and needed. And, oh, my God. I just, it breaks my heart that every time I see a story about Judy Garland, it breaks my heart. Yeah. But, All right, what do you want to say, Lynn, before we get out of here? Well, uh, we got the Emmys coming up this Sunday, so you guys got any predictions? Well, the creative I, Emmys, yeah. two days of that already happened. Game of Thrones has already won 10 Emmys. Well, yeah, that's going to be the big story. But um, I uh, think that uh, um, I'm hoping that some of the miniseries that we liked and then like Chernobyl and stuff. But, yeah, uh, it's going to be Game of Thrones night. But I got two dogs in the race for that one. I, I would love to see The Good Place yeah. get some get some Emmys. Cause well, I but think, see, next year's their last year. Yeah, so. so they might be holding off for that. And I'd like to get uh, like to see Fosse Vernon get every Me Emmy too. that they're nominated Michelle for. Michelle Williams. 
If For Michelle sure. Williams does not win, there is no now, justice. Now, see, is that, un, is that under limited series or is that under miniseries? It's limited. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then yeah. That's eight episodes. Is, is Big... Is little big little lies? Is that in the no, series category no, or is no, it in the limited, limited no, series? No, no, it's, it was it won it won limited uh, last year. Yeah, and but now and then they it make started too two. late to. Oh, it's not in this. Yeah, no, okay. it'll be next year. Yeah, 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 okay. it'll be next year. So that's what you got to work with not there. Even but uh, but no, I I enjoy. I'm just uh, I'm wondering. I don't think Saturday Night Live had a very good year, and they didn't win, they didn't win any guests. In the because they do that oh, at the, the special, creative, yeah, that's they, a, yeah, they yeah. do that in the creative Emmys. They, none of the guest hosts won. Oh, I love to see who wins the guest stars in the comedy. And they drama. were not from Saturday Night Live. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. And then uh, Kate McKinnon has been winning the last couple of years, but I don't think she will, even though she always takes on more parts. Uh-huh. But uh, I think um, it'll be interesting about the talk shows because John Oliver has won every year but i don't know yes oh his show's brilliant but i don't know if i don't know if they'll mix it up yeah yeah so i i heard colbert say the other night that they were all going to the emmys yeah that's why uh john oliver's off this week because he's going to be there yeah and they always make fun of him winning all the time yeah yeah but i'm assuming that colbert is going to be a rerun tomorrow and probably on monday but the cbs.com is being Uh, conan conan was off last night and i think they recorded tonight's show last night so conan's off too yeah so they're yeah. they're all going to be there but he's in la anyway so you have to well right but they still yeah. but they still want to take the, the, thi- the thing about the emmys the especially on these talk shows they because they get to make their own credits when they oh yeah they love doing that stuff oh yeah it's fine because they show that they show their creative side in like 15 seconds or so. Yeah, the best one was when the Letterman writing yes. cast was being stuffed into the back of a garbage truck by Tony Soprano. <laughs> so oh, funny. When, and also Conan used to do great ones. And then when the Office cast, when when Conan was host and the Office cast, I particularly liked that opening when Jimmy Fallon hosted and John Hamm and everybody came and did Springsteen's Born to Run and the Glee kids were there. Mm. And it was really funny opening because usually you can count on a good opening but who's the star that's getting the lifetime achievement because i've been kind of out of the loop i no, I, don't, I don't know i don't know i know there isn't a host this year yeah i know yeah, that. yeah. which we'll we'll find out what is that okay so speaking of snl there was a a new cast member that was fired this week well, for a racial slur. they had they announced three cast members the first openly gay asian well first Man. first first he was openly gay Second of all, he's the, he's the first Asian. He's the third, Ever, that third openly gay cast member. Boyan. This is okay. the first. He's the first Asian American cast member, and of course, and then and then a, a female. He's, he's not oh first openly gay because Kate. No, McKinnon. no, no. Third. Oh, third. Uh, Terry. Terry Sweeney. Uh, Terry Sweeney, and then and Kate, Kate McKinnon, and yeah. now this gentleman. Yes, yes. And he, he, but he's the first Asian American. Okay. And then uh, they uh, a female comedian. Yes, I, uh, who is she's really great about uh, she 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 does Melania and so now oh. I'm guessing that uh, Cicely Strong. Cicely Strong won't be doing Melania anymore but who knows and then this other guy Shane Gillis yeah Shane, Shane Gillis. Gillis and Gillis. he's a he's Gillis. a comedian and it, uh, this is a textbook example of how not to burn your bridges well they what they did was they he they found that he was popular in conservative circles. And Lorne Michaels is very, 
upset that people think his show's a liberal show. And so, like, well, we'll get a conservative comedian. And they didn't vet the guy. Yes. And then they found out he made uh, racial slurs against Asians. And, and gay slurs also. Oh, right he now. did. And uh, they fired him. And then he took to Twitter, and it's not been pretty. But you know what? Also, most most of the cast mem- former cast members of Sarah, like, like the current ones, are staying mostly out of it. Like Chris Redd and Michael Che, they were saying stuff about it but not about it. But like former cast members like David Spade and Norm MacDonald, they they did not like the fact that this guy got fired. But Abby Elliott, Chris Elliott's daughter, who was a Saturday Night Live cast member, she was happy that this happened. So you will get both sides of the spectrum on that because a lot of comedians are very defensive about cancel culture and that because David Spade on his show was with Bill Burr and Jim Jeffries, who both are uh, – a little outspoken about things like this, and they decided uh, that they were against this. That that he should let him prove himself. And if you don't, if you want to boycott it, boycott the show. You don't like it, yeah. right? So yeah, so that's the big news there. There's a Saved by the Bell reboot for all '90s children. Except Very for happy. the fact that they didn't tell Mark Paul Gossler mm. about it, but now oh. he's on board. But oh, speaking, he didn't, but he's also doing an ABC show. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's doing that. Uh, Ifish or uh, that spinoff uh, of Blackish? Yes, mixedish. Mixedish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking. Of, well, this cues into the '90s and SNL. I found out earlier today that there's going to be a two-hour special tonight, which will probably be airing streaming on Hulu and on ABC.com about the the death of Phil Harmon, which is 20 years ago. Oh yeah, but I remember it so distinctly. It's going to be sad. I saw him. On Jay Leno, the only taping I ever saw Jay Leno, he was one of the guests. Really? Uh, yeah. Wonderful fellow. I know. Like, yeah. God, he was he was at the time the longest running person on SNL, yeah. and then Tim Meadows surpassed him, and then Keenan Essen surpassed him. Yeah. Uh, that show opens next weekend uh, with uh, with Woody Harrelson. Now we, we we didn't mention we only mentioned Shane Gills. <laughs> we didn't mention Bowen Yang or Chloe Feynman. So let's mention oh, yeah. Bowen Yang. And Chloe Feynman, you will hear of these people on the twenty eighth, right? Right, and then uh, South Park got renewed for three more seasons. The season, uh, the season premiere is next Wednesday. I want to know if Bill Hader is still in the writing room because he has been—he's friends with those guys, and he's in the writing room and helps polish up jokes. But now I think that he's on Barry. Would he still have time to do that? Yeah, I thought he was a producer on non South Park. Well, he was, but he's he's a writer too. Because yeah. you know why they can only credit like one person per episode, oh, okay. and so they name everybody that's in the writing room their producers. Oh, okay, I see. That's that's how they because I guess the Writers Guild only wants one writer, or else you if it's written by committee, you can't have like twenty people writing. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And one person would come up with the main story. So there, if you're if you see producers on the show, they are probably a member of the writing team. Look, see a little, uh, a little inside, inside stuff, information. Yeah. Inside, we like that. We like to know because we are connected. No, but no, uh, no, yeah. we have. Uh, uh, if you don't have any plans for Saturday night, uh, our friend Tom O'Keefe is uh, the the guy that books everything at the Family Arena, and he has the Queen musical "We Will Rock You." Yes, that's the original Queen musical. It's the jukebox musical "We Will Rock You." And Tom, if you uh, listen to the real real spoilers podcast is 
a, he's one of the founding members of that. Right, yeah, right. So he's our buddy. And uh, if you're not anything to do, uh, go to the family arena. It's better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, well, speaking of Saturday, <laughs> Saturday television, I've got a little inside scoop oh. I found out this morning about a colossal uh, sort of meeting of uh, cultural icons that in the month of October, the Justice League meets Sven he is going to be doing a crossover on several issues of DC Comics. Really? Going to meet up with the Joker and uh, and Harley Quinn in one of the uh, little inserts. And uh, I saw the, uh, the the cover art that they have for it. It looks wonderful. He's already been on the cover of Mad Magazine. He did that last year. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, he's... He's on. He's nationwide on Saturday nights with uh, Me TV, right? And now he's uh, going to be in the comic books all next month. Oh yeah, it's just I don't know. It gives me hope for humanity that there's still <laughs> guys on TV that you know, slap on a cheap wig and makeup and make corny jokes at old horror movies. That everything's right in the world if that's still going on somewhere. So there so you that's go. awesome. Well, Jim, we can find you at We Are Movie Geeks. You may. And you may. Lynn, you can f- be found everywhere. Yes, timesnewspapers.com, and then I'll be on KTRS every Thursday with Ray and Jay, usually about 10.30, 10.40, and uh, we are here, and uh, I'm on the socials. You can find me. This weekend, there is a Max on Movies, so I don't know what Max is going to play because the Memphis Redbirds are not playing, and so we have so much, so many movies that we've not talked about since the last episode. Most of them are online, but you can hear it on KTRS this weekend, and you can also hear me on the Entercom family of radio stations like KMOX, uh, KY, KY, Y98, or KZK, or every Saturday afternoon on the Weekend Report on FM Talk KFTK. And you can find me on the Twitters and the Instagrams at underscore Carl the Intern. Wow, and I remember that. Games. Oh, yeah, Blues. The first Blues home game preseason is Sunday night. Wow. Yes. I know, hard to believe, isn't it? They are currently one and one, but it's preseason, so we don't care about that until October 2nd. All right. Alrighty. Bye bye. Say bye bye. We'll talk to Jim Batts here in just a second. He's the one that drew the picture of Lynn, Dan, and me. And we'll talk about Drawing Mad Magazine coming up next. Then Downton Abbey around 8 minutes. Ad Astra around minute 22. Between Two Ferns the movie around minute 30. The Molly Ivins documentary around minute 36. Before You Know It around minute 47. The new DVDs including Wild Rose and Dark Phoenix around minute 51. And Entertainment News around minute 57.